0: Good morning. I, um, I want to say thank you first of all for inviting me to come along today. I didn't know that there was a, a song sitting about, uh, written about me and even more so that uh, the, the song is actually sung in here Uh, knobbly knees, (laughs) squidgy thumb, hairy toes and a wiggly thumb. (laughs) Um, I'm delighted to be with you today and I hope that you'll be blessed as we turn to God's word together. Um, I want to ask you, are you living in the shadow of the cross? How much does the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ mean to you? I thought of what Paul said in Galatians I am crucified with Christ nevertheless I live yet not I but Christ lives in me and the life which I now live I live in the flesh I live by the faith of the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me I want to ask you this morning why have you come to church what's your real reason for coming to church maybe it's for fellowship fellowship maybe indeed it's to find out more about God or Jesus or faith I don't know but you know why you have come to church this morning maybe it's something you do out of routine maybe in actual fact you've had a bad experience in life and you're looking for some kind of help maybe you need to find a friend maybe you're looking for someone uh, who's a confidant someone that you can talk to somebody that you can uh, be close to by the way, that's what church is about. It's about fellowship. It's about able to trust each other. It's about having friends and, and being able to confide in each other. Maybe you're just curious about what happens in church. I don't know many of you this morning. I know one or two. Maybe you've just come here to hear the preacher. I hope not. I mean that, by the way. I mean that, and I'm going to tell you why. Maybe there's some other reason that you come here this morning. Maybe maybe somewhere down life's journey, God has been touching your heart and yet you've never come to a living relationship with him. You've never come to know what it means to walk in the shadow of the cross. Why do I come to church? Well, I've got two reasons specifically. First of all, to hear God speak. When I come to church, I want to hear God speak to me. When you come to have a living relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter where you are, you can hear God speak. I think I told you the story before when I was instilling with my wife shopping. God spoke to me and I went back to speak to a lady and she got saved. I told you a story before about why and I was at home and I was on my knees one Saturday morning opening up the word of God, asking God to speak to me, and he did. He told me to go and get a haircut. The result of that was a man came into the shop, touched my shoulder, and said he wanted to speak to me because God had sent him in to see me. And he was, of course, a man who was going to commit suicide. And I was happy to tell him about the love of God. Wonderful. It comes to saving faith in Jesus Christ. You can hear God speak to you anywhere. Gordon Thompson who's coming next Sunday I believe. Gordon was telling me the story about a man who sat beside him in the shopping centre in Bray Head. And he told him to speak to him. And he called me last week, he said, Rob, he said, I want to tell you, he says, that man was at a prayer meeting with me. And you know, sometimes that, that God will use you as a link in the chain for reaching someone for Jesus Christ. I've come to hear God speak eight times in the Gospels eight times in the book of Revelation we hear these words he that hath an ear let him hear I want to hear what God is saying by his spirit this morning not what I am saying the worst thing you can do is listen to men the best thing you can do is listen to God the other thing that I come to church for is I want to know more about God I want to get to know him better. Philippians 3 and 10. Paul says that I might know him. That's an interesting concept. Knowing God. That I might know him. The power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Being made conformed unto his death. I want to ask you this morning. Are you becoming like Jesus Christ? When we come to Romans, chapter 8, verse 29, I think it is, there or thereabouts, we learn there that we've been predestined before the foundation of the world, that we might be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Wow. One of the hardest things that, that, that there is to do in this world is to stand up here and preach the word of God. It's not an easy thing. Because we're standing Between the living and the dead. There's a day coming when God will judge you for not knowing him. There is consequences for not knowing him. Do you know that? Jesus didn't die for no reason. He wasn't crucified on the cross for no good reason. He didn't rise again from the dead for no good reason. He didn't ascend into glory and intercede for us before the Father's right hand for no good reason. There is a consequence of not knowing him. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 7. Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord have we not prophesied in your name and in thy name cast out devils and done many wonderful works and Jesus said to them we'll say to them in that day I never knew you depart from me ye that work iniquity knowing about him is not enough and we're going to touch on that just in a few moments but coming to know him is really really important What's the purpose of ministers, of preachers, of pastors, of people who lift up the word of God, the oracles of God? 300 years ago, Richard Baxter said this. He was a Puritan, of course, and he said this. Pastors are entrusted by God with delivering a message of eternal consequences to the souls of men. This book carries heavy weight. I want you to know that this morning. You and I who are separated from God by sin, God wants to reconcile us back to himself. And we'll talk about how he does that just in a moment. We as preachers must always be aware that we stand in the gap between heaven and hell, between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. And the message that God has given us from generation, from Genesis to Revelation, rather, is a message of life. The Bible is a message of life. As you trace the work of God through the Old Testament, you will discover that God was always trying to reconcile men and women back to himself. They were separated from him because of their sin. When we come to the New Testament, you will discover that the message of the gospel through our Lord Jesus Christ is exactly the same. Jesus says, I have come to seek and to save those that are lost. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. John 5 and 24 Jesus said this whosoever hears my word and believes on him that sent me hath eternal life I want to ask you this morning do you have eternal life do you have assurance of faith that when you die or the Lord Jesus Christ comes back that you will go home to heaven to be with him That's what I mean when I say that we as preachers, as pastors or ministers, are standing in the gap. We're preaching the word of God so that men and women will come to faith in Jesus Christ before it's too late. For some it's already too late. They have died rejecting Jesus Christ. What about you this morning? Are you going to die rejecting Jesus Christ? Let's hear God speak from his word. I want this morning to go to John chapter 17. If you've got a Bible, feel free to turn it up. If not, then read it on the screen with us. John chapter 17. And we're going to deal with the first five verses in uh, this high priestly prayer of the Lord Jesus. John chapter 17. Jesus spoke these things and lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said, Father the hour is come glorify your son that your son may also glorify you even as you have given him authority over all flesh that to all you have given him he may give eternal life and this is eternal life and i want you to watch these words that we read next this is eternal life that they might know you that they might know you do you know him that's the question I want to ask this morning are you walking in the shadow of the cross do you really really know him that they might know you the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent I have glorified you and earth Having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. Now Father glorify me together with yourself. With the glory I had with you. Before the world was. Let's just pray for a moment. Father we ask that you will take your word. And by the power of the Holy Spirit bring it into our hearts. And cause us in whatever way you want this morning Father to be changed if we are not saved by your amazing grace, that we'll be converted to Jesus Christ. That we will realize that we cannot live without you. And if we are Christians this morning, we will realize, Father, the importance of living in the shadow of the cross, of trusting your word every moment of every day, in spite of the circumstances that we face, and that we will grow in grace and in the knowledge of your word. Help us this morning, Father, to share your word, to pour out your word to the people who are sitting here in this congregation and help them to be receptive to it by the power of the Spirit. And may they respond to you today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus is about to die. And here he is in John 17 offering up a prayer to his Father. There are three segments to this prayer. The first segment is the prayer for himself, all about himself, to the Father. The second segment is his prayer for the disciples. Uh, further on in the chapter, and further on again in the chapter, the third segment is his prayer for everyone, for you. And for me, do you know that Jesus prayed for you personally? Let me read it to you. John 17 and verse 20. I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those who believe in me also. For those also who will believe in me through their word, the testimony of their word. Jesus prayed for you, that you might listen to the word of God going forth. That you might believe. That you might come to know him. That you might come to trust him. This is the longest prayer recorded in the New Testament. And it was offered on probably the most solemn occasion ever to come. uh, To take place in the history of the world. And perhaps it's the most awesome, inspiring masterpiece of literature to be found anywhere. What a wonderful prayer this is. I want to say to you, if you have never taken time to read this prayer, take time to read it. It will stimulate your heart and your life. Having expressed his love for his disciples and told he was going to die, he now commends them to the protection of the Heavenly Father. And in verse 1, Jesus prays for himself. And he says this, he says, Jesus spoke these things, what were the things that he meant here? His sermons, his discourses, his words of comfort, his words of advice, his words of direction, his words of instruction. All of which he gave in the three preceding chapters, concluding with these words. Fear not, I have overcome the world. I wonder if you're worrying about what's going on in the world today. There would be great cause to worry about what's going on in the world today. As you see everything that's happening concerning our own country, how we've we've decided that we're going to leave Europe and Brexit is becoming a big part of politics, probably the biggest part of politics in this country. I heard an interesting statement the other day and I've never heard such foolishness in all my life from Mr Blair, I don't know how many of you heard his speech, and he says, Brexit is the alpha and the omega, it's the beginning and the end. And I said, oh no, it's not. There is only one alpha and omega, one beginning and the end, and that's our Lord Jesus Christ. He said, I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last he's the only one and because he's the only one I want to say to you today the words of the Lord Jesus Christ are this I am the way the truth and the life no man can come to the Father but by me and if you want to know him today the only way that you can come to know him is to trust him and the very first thing that God commands of us today to do is to repent of our sin that means to turn away from it. I think I said it the last time I was here but I want to say it again do you hate your sin does it get you down do you remember the story of the pilgrim's progress and he comes to the cross and he lays down the burden of his sin there is only way one way that you can get rid of the burden of your sin and that's by coming to the foot of the cross repenting of it and trusting Christ as your Savior. I'm digressing a wee bit here. I'm sure that this is by the Spirit of God. There's someone here this morning intended for these words. And I want you to hear God speak this morning. I don't want us to walk out of here thinking we've just heard a sermon. God forbid. This is the living word of God. These are the oracles of God. This is a word that will last us for all eternity. It's not only the written word, but the written word will lead us to the living word, who is Jesus Christ himself. I want this morning for you to find him. You've never found him before. I want you to find him with all your heart. I want you to come and trust him. Anyway, Jesus spoke these things, and lifting up his eyes to heaven, when we pray, when we stand with our hands uplifted and worshipping God, we're not praising God in thin air. We're not worshipping God in thin air. And just like Jesus did when he lifted up his eyes to heaven, he was lifting up his eyes to the seat of divine majesty. To the creator of the world. To the one who controls all things. To the one about whom his word says that he is in charge he works all things after the counsel of his own will, when you think about what's happening in London and in Edinburgh, don't you think for a minute Satan's in control he's not he's only allowed to work in as much as God allows him to work for the fulfilment of his eternal plans and purposes I want to tell you today that God is still on the throne God is still on the throne in spite of what you see happening in our country and what you see happening abroad in the world abroad particularly in the Middle East you know what Jesus said let not your heart be troubled let not your heart be troubled believe in God believe also in me there's a day coming when he will return again and he told us about that in John 14. And so lifting up his eyes to heaven, he's lifting his eyes to the the seat of divine majesty, to the throne of his father. Not to thin air, not to his creation, not to creatures, but to his heavenly father. And when you and I stand in worship and in prayer, we do exactly the same thing. And Christ, who is our great high priest, is seated at the right hand of our father and he's interceding for us. Every moment of every day. Are you in trouble? Are there times in your life when you really get down? I want you to reach out to him. He's there. He's listening. And he's willing and he wants to help you. He doesn't lift up his eyes to false gods. But to the father whose presence he left to become the only saviour of the world. I was preaching in the other week uh, on one of the prophets and you know uh, in Lamentations, Jeremiah and Lamentations the children of Israel were in deep trouble they didn't know what to do and instead of turning to God they turned to their idols, isn't that tragic and some men and women today in this world will turn to drink or drugs They'll even turn to their neighbour who cannot help them. I have a guy that I know who went to a neighbour to get help, and guess what? He was a witch, practised black magic, and he hoped to get help, and his problem got worse. There's only one person to come to. Jesus said, I am that person. I am the way, the truth, the life. No man can come to the Father but by me. You want help this morning? Get on your knees before God. If you don't know him, repent of your sin and acknowledge Jesus Christ as your Savior. Do you know what he will do? He will cleanse your sins immediately. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He will write your name in the Lamb's book of life. He will give you absolute assurance of eternal life when? Now. Not when you get to heaven. Not in a month's time to see if you're doing all right. He will impart his righteousness unto you right now. That's how good our God is. That he would take his son and nail him to the cross. So that you and I could be reconciled back to him. He goes on to say Father the hour is come that is the appointed time for his sufferings and death. Do you know that you also have an appointed time? Hebrews the word says there it's appointed unto man once to die. Doesn't finish there. It says after this the judgment. There's going to be two judgments. There's going to be a judgment of believers At the Bema. At the judgment seat of Christ. Then there's going to be the judgment of the unbelievers. At the great white throne. And I tell you I wouldn't want to be part of that judgment. For the believers they will enter into eternity with God for all eternity. For the unbelievers. For those who have never come to know him. They will spend the rest of eternity in hell that's the solemn, solemn word of this message that if you reject Jesus Christ and you've never come to know him you will spend eternity separated from him forever there was there was a story in Luke 16 Jesus tells a story about two people that died one died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom that figuratively speaks of heaven he says, the other man died and went to hell. And in hell, he says, he lifted up his eyes being in torment. He says, will you do something for me? Send somebody that might dip a t- the tip of the finger in water and cool my tongue. For I'm tormented. It's a place of torment. It's a place where the flame, the fire is not quenched and the worm dieth not. It's a place of, of desperation. A place of eternal separation. It's not annihilation. People think once they go there, that's it done and finished. We have everyone's own good door of their will know anything about it. Not what the Bible says. And then the man in hell says, all of a sudden he wants to become an evangelist. And he cries out, he says, send my brothers to tell them. Not to come here. Jesus said, it's too late. He says even although somebody had risen from the dead. And he rose from the dead. He says it will still not believe. And that's what's happening today in our world. In spite of the evidence. The unequivocal evidence of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. People will not believe. How sad and how tragic is that. God wants you to repent and believe this morning. He goes on he says father glorify your son what was Jesus speaking about he was simply saying honor me. Give, me give the world a demonstration that he says I am really your son sustain me and so make me known in my death, resurrection and ascension and thereby show to the world that I am the son of God did Jesus die yes he did What happened when he died? The veil of the temple, the Jewish temple, was rent from the top to the bottom. Signifying that direct access was opened up for you and me to come into the presence of God. In the Jewish system, of course, it was the high priest that did all the interceding. But since Christ died and he has borne our sins on the cross... He has said quite simply... Come to me. He's opened up the way. Come to me all you that weary... And are heavy laden... And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you... And learn of me. And you will have rest... Unto your souls. Give the world this demonstration... He says I'm your son. In his death... He gave us salvation... In his resurrection, he was fully vindicated. If Christ had not been risen from the dead, we would be in serious bother. Paul says, if Christ is not risen, your faith is vain. You are yet in your sins and you are of all men most miserable. And you know, the people that I see today that are really miserable are, are people that don't even believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But now is Christ risen from the dead. And in his ascension, if Jesus hadn't ascended unto glory, if he wasn't alive from the dead, he couldn't have ascended. And his ascension was witnessed by his disciples that were there at the time. Go to Acts chapter 1 and read the story, how he ascended up into glory. And if he hadn't ascended up into glory, the Holy Spirit wouldn't have come. I sense the real presence of the Holy Spirit in our worship this morning. Wasn't that wonderful? father we love you we worship and adore you what a wonderful saviour hallelujah what a saviour then the other thing that his father promised him was power and authority what did he do he gave let me go on to three things three gifts that the father gave to the son three things that the father gave to the son Um, verse 2 says that he gave him the gift of sovereign power and authority verse 2 as you have given him power over all flesh what was the second thing he gave him he gave him the gift of the elect to the son of God see that that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him God has been calling men and women from the beginning of eternity until now to himself and there's a lot of, a lot of issues theological issues around this, this uh, the elect of God who are the elect let me just say this to you this morning that the elect of God are just simply those who have been truly saved by God's irres- irresistible grace the elect of God are those whom God touches and calls out And I believe that people who are in the presence of God, hearing the word of God, God is touching your heart. God is touching your soul. How do I know that? God tells me in his word that he's not willing that any should perish. And this morning, if this is the first time you have heard the gospel message, it might be the last. God is touching your heart and he wants you to come to him and receive him by faith and the third gift that he gives to the son is the gift of eternal life who imparts eternal life it's the son it's the son I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly it's a wonderful wonderful message this he demonstrates his power and authority he has given all of the elect to the son into his hands he's in charge of them and he gives the gift of eternal life to the son himself to say impart this to those who are called I want to say to you this morning you're sitting here living, listening to God's word he wants to call you to himself and he wants to impart to you eternal life if you've never heard it if you've never received it before he wants to give you in John 3 he calls it everlasting life in John 5 it's eternal life in John 10 it's abundant life in Romans 12 and 2 Paul talks about the transformed life I wonder if you've come to Christ this morning and and there's no change in your life Paul says be not conformed to the things of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You see how we think has an impact on how we act. Let me say that again. How we think has an impact on how we act. What our hands will do. What our eyes will look at. What our ears will listen to. Where our feet will walk. What our tongue will say. How much we live in the shadow of the cross will determine how much we live for Jesus Christ. Look at verse 3. This is eternal life that they might know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. What does it mean? If we are to have an experience of eternal life then we need to understand what Jesus meant by this. Quite simply it doesn't mean to know about him. Having an intellectual knowledge of God is not in view here. It is not the knowledge of him in creation. For a man may have a great degree of intellectual knowledge and yet never know God by faith. Never have been an experience in his life like the Apostle Paul on the Damascus Road people will say, oh that was a very special experience my experience was a Damascus Road experience, Graham's experience was a Damascus Road experience how many others have had a Damascus Road experience what happened in the Damascus Road for Paul was that God touched him he spoke to him what happened to me was God spoke to me, he touched my heart I knew I couldn't live as I was any longer a boy of 13 years of age and I knew God broke me and I wept. I said, Lord, forgive me. I want to trust you. You know, some people get this impression, if we just say a wee fanciful prayer, everything will be okay and that's it. That's not what it's about, folks. It's not if we tick this box, that box and the next box, then you're born again of the Spirit of God and that's okay. Nothing could be further from the truth. Conversion to Jesus Christ is a living, vibrant experience of the work of the Holy Spirit in your soul, bringing conversion, bringing conviction, bringing conversion, bringing salvation. I want like to receive Him this morning by the power of God. Note the language that Jesus uses here in verse three: the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent how then do we come to know this God that we are talking about how is it possible for us to know him so that we are walking in the shadow and living in the shadow of the cross the Greek word for know is genisco the word indicates a relationship between the person knowing in this case the believer we have come to know him in the case of the unbeliever, it might be that you want to come to know him, but you're not there yet. But you can come today. Isn't that wonderful? There's an opportunity for you to come today. So the word indicates a relationship between the person knowing and the object is known. in this case, God and his son Jesus Christ. Therefore, what is known is of value or importance to the one who knows. So what is known is that I know that I have sinned. I know that I'm separated from God. And I know that Jesus Christ has died on the cross of Calvary for me. And I know that my sins nailed him there. And on the third day he rose again from the dead. And one day he's coming back. I know these things. And they're important to me. Very, very important to me. Why? Because I believe. I believe. I wonder how many of you have stood at a bus stop and waited to get on the bus. You believed the bus was coming, didn't you? So you go to the bus stop in time. You go to the train station in time, don't you? You go to the airport in time when you're going your holidays and get on the plane and away you go. You believe that's going to happen. But that's not the faith that he's talking about here. What he's talking about here is the faith that's imparted by God to you to believe in his Son. How does faith come? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So if you're going to come this morning, you need to come by faith. You need to come and trust Him. Listen to what the Bible says You who are dead in trespasses and in sins, dead. We're dead. We're lost. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've returned unto our own way. God hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. We're dead and we're lost if we don't have Christ. And if you're a believer this morning and you're not continuing to follow him, I want to tell you, I know that you'll be the most miserable person on earth. You'll never be satisfied by just dipping your toe in the water and going away you need to plunge in you need to plunge deep you need to swim in the ocean of God's love you need to bask in his mercy and in his grace you need to allow that to envelop your being so that you will experience the fullness of God in your life as much as you possibly can Allow him to touch you by his grace and mercy this morning. Jesus didn't come to make bad men good or good men better. He came to make dead men and women live. If you're outside of Christ, you're dead. You're dead in your sins, dead in your transgressions. God wants to rescue you, bring you to saving faith in himself. Let me rush on here. Verse 4. I glorified you the earth having finished the work which you have given me to do. All the preparations for his death were made. Everything was going to plan. He preached to the Jews. He had given them full proof that he was a Messiah. He had collected his disciples together. He had taught them the nature of faith. It comes from within. He said he had given them his parting counsel. And even before the day of his death he could say... I have finished the work that you gave me to do. Wasn't that wonderful? Wonderful that Christ finished the work. He said, I must always do the things that please the Father. He finished the work that God gave him to do. Now, Father, he says, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory I had with you before the world was. In heaven... Granting me a participation of the same honor which was with the Father. Which he had with the Father before he left glory. He had just said that he had glorified God on earth. Now he prays that God would glorify him in heaven. With the glory, with honor. Can you imagine a soldier being in battle? Decorated with honor for saving lives. Much greater honour is bestowed upon the Son of God for the salvation that he has wrought in the millions and millions of lives since he died on the cross. What a wonderful saviour. Hallelujah. Does it not ring a bell in your heart? It causes me to worship him, to praise him, to magnify him. There is no one like him in this world. That's so what the song says. There's no one like my Jesus. No friend can be like him. What's your experience of him this morning? Do you love him? Do you worship him? Do you praise him and magnify him? There is nothing compared to the honour bestowed on Jesus Christ because he has saved and is still saving today hundreds and thousands and millions of people coming to him in faith. Let's move to the last verse here. Quite simply it says this. And now, O Father, glorify me with your own self, which I had with you, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Before the world was, he was in heaven with the Father. There was peace in heaven. There was praise. There was worship. The angels were gathered about adoring him, worshipping him. And he's asked to come to this scene of time where there is no peace. But there's trouble. There's death. No praise. Was he given praise by men? No. He wanted to put him to death and kill him. Now he says, Father, I have fulfilled your will. Will you take me home to glory and bestow upon me all the blessings of heaven itself that I had with you before the world was? And that's where he is today, my friends. He's in the glory. It was because of his death that we have access into the presence of God. If Jesus found it necessary to pray to the Father like this when he was in trouble. Because he was in trouble, deep trouble. He says, now is my soul troubled. How much more do you think we need to pray to the Father when we are going through times of trouble? Are you as a believer today going through times of trouble? need to come to the Lord in prayer. There's a whole host of passages where Jesus came to pray. Matthew 11, Mark 1, Mark 6, Luke 3, Luke 5, Luke 6, Luke 9, Luke 11, and so on. There's a plethora of passages where you will find in the Gospels the Lord Jesus Christ in prayer. I want to suggest to you that if he found it necessary to have this habit in prayer, how much more do we need to develop that habit? I was thrilled this morning when I heard... A dear friend here talking about a prayer walk. Prayer works. I can test to that, testify to that in my own life and in the lives of others. Prayer works. What about you today? Let me talk to you as a believer as we finish this up. Where are you in your walk with God? Are you? Are you living in the shadow of the cross? Are you? Are you living there? Paul said, God forbid that I should glory. If you're glorying in something else, if something else is your God, if, so, if you've got an idol and you're not giving God the glory that he, he rightly deserves, if you've not given him first place in your life and there's something else there, you're not giving him the glory. Paul says, God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world for you today dear believer there's three crucifixions here first of all there's the death of Christ on the cross and through his death we become reconciled to God the Father by faith secondly Paul says here by whom the world is crucified unto me crucifixion means death simple the world was dead to Paul it had no attraction to him And thirdly, he says this, And I unto the world. Is the world a draw unto you today? Is it pulling you into its schemes, into its schisms? Is it pulling you into its gambling dens? Is it pulling you into areas that God would not be happy about in the word? If you're not sure what these areas are, just read the Ten Commandments and let God speak to you today will bring conviction to your soul, repent, believe, go on in your walk with God. But what about you today if you're an unbeliever? If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Saviour, I want you to come today. Don't put it off any longer. Don't put it off any longer. I had a friend a fortnight ago I was talking to, a young man. I was talking to him on a Sunday and the following Saturday he was dead. Gone. Remember it's appointed unto man once to die. After this judgment. I hope today. That you have heard God speak. Not Robert Dyer. Not me. Not the words of man. But that you have heard the words of God. And the spirit of God. Will quicken these words within your heart. And bring them to life. So that. One. If you're a believer today that your walk with God will be increased. That this walking and living in the shadow of the cross will be something which impacts your life more every day, every moment of every day. But if you're not a believer this morning you can't walk in the shadow of the cross. God wants to place his eternal life within you. If you come to him this morning you can have forgiveness of sins and eternal life now. Now, now, does that thrill you? What a God we have. I hope this morning that these words have helped you in your walk with God. And if you don't know him today, that you will come to know him before you leave this place. I'll be here. Graham's here. I don't know there's others here as well that you can speak to. We'd be more than happy to help you find Christ. But you need to know that God is touching your heart. God has spoken to you today. Please don't leave. Come. We want to be a a help to you. We are ministers for Christ's sake of the gospel. What a wonderful gospel it is. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's living, active, sharper than any two-edged sword. And we pray, Father, this morning that you will be glorified in everything that's been said. And if there is anything of the flesh, Father, that it will be blotted from our minds and our hearts. We only want that which is of you, Lord, to go into our hearts and bear fruit to your glory. We want Jesus Christ to be lifted high. We want the Spirit of God, Father, to work in the hearts of men and women. And from your word going forth, we ask, Father, that you will bring forth great fruit to your glory. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.